that, you know, it's like how kids talk about baseball players. That's how we talk about albums. We're just trying to postpone mortality. They need that to fill some kind of void that they have. The search for the Yeti. He's a duck. <laughs> well, don't interrupt. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank and today it's just little old me. But I recently caught up with Pumpkins bassist Jack Bates. We talk about post-rock invasion 2 tour activities, Peter Hook and the Light, and some celebratory personal news. So just a heads up, this audio was pulled from our Zoom session. Uh, We both had some Wi-Fi issues. He was dealing with hotel Wi-Fi and I was... uh, Dealing with the typical Spectrum headaches. Oh boy, Spectrum, they are not a sponsor. Um, But I made sure that uh, the sound was good enough for you to listen to, so that way it wouldn't be grating to your precious, precious ears. All right, Pumpkinheads, let's get right to it. Returning, it's Jack Bates. Jack, welcome back. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Uh, so how is post rock invasion two tour life treating you? Good, very good. Um, I my partner flew out to see the last show, and uh, that so that was nice. And then we've we've had like a nearly three week long kind of holiday, just staying oh, nice. on in uh, LA and Vegas. So it's been it's been nice to get yeah. some sun before I go back to the uh, the clouds and rain of Manchester. <laughs> uh, and. What did you do in Vegas? Anything fun? I got married in Vegas. What? Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Wow. Um, we've we've been we've been together for a long time and uh we we were both agreed that now is the time let's do it. So that's what we That's were amazing. Doing. And then um the rest of the time just hanging out in in LA. It's been it's been cool. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Did you do uh, Elvis? Uh, no, you know, no, 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 nothing, nothing no, like that. Yeah. No Elvis, no Elvis. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was very nice what we did. We we saw somebody else having Elvis. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. That's all you and, need. Um, you don't need to actually. Yes, yeah, so I yourself. feel like I feel like I got the experience of the Elvis wedding, and then our wedding was very nice, very tactful. Not that's like awesome a, yeah it was nice was uh any of your family able to be there or was just kind of like you're gonna do something no, was and you go back home literally or... just the, just the two of us um because obviously all my family are from the uk right. all my wife's family are from australia so trying to oh wow trying to figure out a way of doing something somewhere that makes everybody happy would have been probably impossible so we thought yeah we'll cut out the middleman and do it ourselves and then uh, <laughs> when you know further down the line we'll we'll get a big do going but yeah it's, it's, it was it was it was nice and the rest of the time literally just spent sitting in the pool <laughs> yeah just enjoying it while you can yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i don't know when i'm gonna see the sun again so so uh you're gonna be coming back though uh, you're gonna be playing with your dad again with peter hook in the light right yeah first show back with him is gonna be in a couple of weeks uh first of july in, and then you're um, in the uk yeah Okay, and then you're going to be back in the U.S. in the fall. Yeah, he, well, he's got some shows uh, in America, August, September, and then mm-hmm. obviously the Pumpkins tour is October, November. Right so I'm still trying to work out a few work out a few things dates wise, but it looks like on the whole it might all happen. So let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, mm. uh, we're going to try to make it out to the LA show. Oh, nice. Uh, well, I think. 
if you've not seen the show, um, you should come check it out because it's it's hard to explain to people what it's like until they see it. You know, because they're like, how's it right? How's it work with two bass players? And it's like you just need to come and see it. So let me know, and I will I will hook you guys up. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of two bass players. I love Girls Against Boys. They were a two uh, bass player band, right? <laughs> I mean, there's no law against it, right? Two bass players, but whenever it happens, <laughs> people kind of pull their face, like what? Well, that kind of goes into uh, some of our listeners had some questions for you. I might as well just go ahead and ask because they have a lot of fantastic questions here Um, and kind of tying into as far as a dynamic of how many guitars and bass and whatnot. David Jepson asked, from your perspective on bass, what Mm. is the best part about playing with three guitarists? And have you had to change your approach at all? Uh, I've not really had to change much. Other than, um, you know, it's like, obviously, the first time when the band became three guitar players, it was, it was kind of like my job doesn't really change. But the three of those guys have got to figure out who's going to play what and when. And, yeah. You know, there might have been a part that, you know, Jeff's been playing for 10 years and all of a sudden now James is going to play it. And then it's like, OK, so what what are you going to play? Or Billy would be like, oh, I used to play that and now Jeff's playing it. So, it's you know, it's like <laughs> it's more of a. It's more for those guys, really. I mean, yeah, there was a there was a few hours spent in the first kind of 2018 tour where me and Jimmy would just be kind of waiting their part so they're not tripping over each other. But yeah, our our role doesn't really change, and I've not really had to mess with. I mean, I don't I don't have any effects pedals or anything. I literally just plug straight into the amp. The the bases I use sound really good and everyone's happy with kind of where it sits in the mix so i just haven't really had to change anything which has been good for me and i just let those guys figure all that between themselves you know yeah you did you did those great instagram live like before the shows you'd kind of go around the venue or you'd show before sound check yeah and i remember you showing your rig in one of them and you were like yep this is all i got this, That's is, it. this is what it is it's it's really yeah. simple but man i gotta i gotta hand it to you this tour these shows and i told you this uh, on socials but like your sound this tour is awesome i don't know what was different or what i maybe it was the amphitheater or what mm. the dynamic was with the set or whatever it was but especially at beach life when we saw that show there was something yeah. about the tone of the whole band but particularly the bass that felt really good to me oh that's uh, good to hear yeah i think i think um stewart our front of house guy He's a big fan of the bass, so I think good. he drives it a bit, a bit more than maybe maybe some other people would. And then because uh, uh-huh. my my friend said the same thing about uh, when was it? I can't remember what show it was. He's like, "Oh, the bass is booing." I'm like, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, <laughs> you know, because sometimes it kind of bums you out when one of your friends will come back to you and be like, "Oh, I couldn't hear you all night." You're like, "Oh, I know." Now, <laughs> now it's the opposite. So um, yeah, I guess I guess it's all down to Stuart. Whatever he's doing out there is. Uh, He's, I mean, all the reports we had from, you know, like sonically, everyone's saying it sounded great. So a lot of that yeah. is down to Stuart. And, it, and um, you know, let's give him some credit because sometimes the crew guys kind of get overlooked. And oh, yeah. Like, oh, dude, your tone is incredible. It's like, well, it's not all me. It's Stuart, too. And, you know, all the <laughs> other guys that set everything up. So they, they all did a really good job. Yeah. Is there anybody else you'd like to kind of shout out uh, from the tour that you particularly thought that i mean i know everybody plays a huge part in making the show happen but anybody yeah, i mean 
I mean, literally, it is everybody. It's a team effort, especially like, you know, this the age of COVID where you're all still trying to keep each other safe and healthy. And um, and everyone's kind of out of practice because we haven't done it for two years. And so all of a sudden it's hard getting back into that mentality of late nights, early mornings, flights and bus rides. So everybody did really good to sort of get back into it. And I think it's set things up nice for the end of the year. You know, it's nice to do a little run now have a little break and then uh, get back into it and and the big arena production craziness that's going to be the end of the year yeah well that kind of goes into one of my questions that i uh, that we asked jeff about so for this last tour you did um amphitheaters and you know open spaces and whatnot which uh i i thought was great but there were some challenges with uh, noise ordinance and decibel levels and all that other stuff. So comparing it to when you do stadium tours, like what was that difference for you for amphitheaters uh, versus uh, like stadiums? Well, I think the main thing is when, when you do a tour like the one we just done, a lot of the times your sound and your monitors can be completely different from day to day just because it's a different PA, it's a different room, it's yeah. a different this, a different that. And so sometimes it can sort of mess you up. Although it sounds great out front still, you can't get your head around the fact that it doesn't sound good for you. Yeah. And, um, so sometimes some of them are a bit of a challenge. Whereas when, when you tour in an arena or, or, you know, 30 arenas or whatever, the buildings are all relatively the same. And you're, I mean, I don't know this for sure for the end of the year, but certainly the last arena tour, we were traveling with our own stage and our own PA. So literally everything's the same every day. Right. And it's it's a bit easier to handle, you know, from from your own kind of in-ear monitor point of view. Right. So it is, it is a bit easier touring in that kind of setup because there's less variables, you know, less things can change, which means... Yeah the possibility for things going wrong goes down too. So, um, but it, I mean, sometimes, you know, you because in Mexico, we were playing like a old indoor theater and then the next show would be one of those outdoor amphitheaters. And that does change everything just because because yeah. of the way the sound flies out the PA. And, um, but yeah, I think at the end of the year, it'll probably be a bit more stable for us yeah. just because less things will be different from night to night. So we saw you at Corden, uh, the performance that you did at James Corden uh, with mm. the two songs that you played. And you were even saying like, then you're like, how did it sound out there? So a lot of people don't know what the experience is for a band to play a late night show. Can mm. you walk us through what that's like? Yeah. So, I mean, it was fun because uh, we hadn't done that one before. And uh, yeah. we've done a few other this. So again, it was a new experience just being at cbs television world or whatever it's called and it's it's, it's actually a long day because people i mean although your the work for us is like eight minutes you know you're there for like eight hours just there's yeah. a lot of there is a lot of sitting around and waiting i mean we we would go in probably play the play one of the songs like three or four times just so they can figure out who's going to be stood where and what it's going to sound like but the problem is you are usually use their um like monitor crew so mm -hmm. your sound is completely different to how it's been for the tour which kind of throws you off especially when you've got like a billion cameras pointing at your face yeah um, <laughs> so it's kind of weird so, so you so they let you have a few run-throughs and then 
but it, it's time limited because it's a certain point they're gonna you know because it's all union workers they're gonna be right. like right 12 30 stop and it's like but we're not we're not happy with it i stop and then it's like okay we'll just see how it goes later and then so once you've done your run-throughs you kind of just sit around for a bit and and um come back to sort of do the show and they sort of run the show as live but obviously if anybody messes anything up they can do stuff and then um, you're literally like at the end so you basically watch the whole show and then just nip out at the end to do your eight minutes and then and then that's it so your whole day has been building up to this this eight minutes but it is quite (laughs) nerve-wracking with you know all the cameras just different even things like different lights and different this and different that it's like luke our lighting guy you get used to when he does strobes or when he does something right. crazy so it doesn't throw you off and all of a sudden when you're in the studio it's all different because you know their lighting guy might not know the song as well or something like <laughs> right. that or their monitor guy the mix is a bit different um but no it was fun and i, I don't know what i don't know when they're gonna put this the second one out but yeah we did do two i think yeah. one of them's on youtube so let's just see. i guess maybe maybe they'll hold it back for like a time when they don't have a band or something and they can put it out. But I'm just speculating. I don't know. Yeah. We were wondering about that because we thought we heard that it was for another show. We were like, Oh, maybe they're going to use it for Colbert. But mm. yeah, it, it apparently from what Jeff said, it was probably uh, an online extra thing. Yeah. I think, I think that that they'll eventually point. release. Yeah. I guess they just hold it back until, until they want to get some hits on their channel i don't know yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah because i've always wondered that because i've i've done sketches on late night shows and i know what that's like Mm -hmm. uh with the waiting around and doing all that but i i was always so curious to what the band's daylight was like and how it feels for them because from the audience uh, if people have never seen a late night show it's so weird because everything is so much smaller than you think Mm -hmm. it is especially if you go to SNL, if you've ever been to SNL live, you go in there, you're like, holy shit, this place is tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, the sound is always weird because they have to keep it at a certain level or else it like kind of bounces around and everything. You can barely hear the host or the guests and then the music yeah. comes on, but luckily we could hear you uh, well enough and it sounded oh, great. So it's hard uh, to tell, you know, just cause um, like in a, t- in a, when you're in a venue you can sort of feel the subs of the bass and the Mm -hmm. drums and it kind of feels like a rock show but yeah in in those tv studios everything's just really dry and there's no there's no kind of atmosphere and it's obviously weird because the although everyone in the crowd is stoked to be there there's only like 100 people and there's more there's more (laughs) crew and there's more cameras so it's like yeah it is kind of weird but it was fun um ended up getting into like a 35 minute long football conversation with James Carden, which was quite interesting. <laughs> I was, we were actually speculating that. <laughs> yeah. But it was funny because he, he was sort of, you know, he, he sort of walked in last minute and um, they're still pretty strict on COVID guidelines. And um, so we're all wearing masks and stuff. And my mask has got a Manchester United logo on it. So he's like made a beeline over it. He's like, oh, just, you know, to talk about all, all kinds of shit. And, literally all the, all the rest of the band because they haven't got a clue about english football they were yeah. just kind of stood in the background like what are these guys even talking about <laughs> and you could see like his you know his handler or whatever his, his guy was like dude come on we got to start showing he was like no 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 no. what do you think about <laughs> so we were actually a little bit late just because he wouldn't stop uh talking about football 
which is kind oh, of wow. interesting. But I was trying to explain, like, because I'm the same when when I'm in America. There's not a lot of people I can talk about English proper football with. Right. Yeah. And then, so the minute you find someone, it's like, right, okay, here we go. And then I think it was just that maybe he's not used to having somebody there who knows what he's talking about. But, right. He's starved for the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So but he was <laughs> he was a really nice guy, and the, the the show was was fun. It was great. Yeah. Well, kind of speaking of that, uh, David Jepson had another question uh, exactly about, uh, have you managed to convince any of the band to start supporting Manchester United? And <laughs> what would you do if a pumpkin show clashed with the Champions League final and Manchester United oh, were man. playing? Well, the first answer to that question would be, I think it's going to be many, many years before Manchester United are in another Champions League final. So <laughs> unfortunately, I probably won't have to worry about that for a long time. But um, we did actually, in 2011, um, I was playing a show in The Hague, Netherlands, with, with mm-hmm. my dad. And that clashed with the Champions League final that we were in, because 11 years ago, we had a pretty good team. Not so much anymore, but um, mm. we got the venue to like record it. Because I guess they didn't have, you know, now you can just pause live TV and right. it would have been cool. But back then we didn't have that We're in this you know, old venue where we were. So they actually recorded it, set aside like a separate room. And I was really hoping that like no one would shout anything out in the crowd, which they didn't. And then we all avoided the score, turned our phones off, went and watched the game in full after the show. And we lost. <laughs> nice. Oh, well, I mean, not nice that you lost, but that was cool yeah. that they did that for you, though. That's really no. It cool. was great. It was great. But I don't know. I mean, James is showing an interest. He's. I think. I think if he's ever in uh, Manchester, he'll, he'll want to go to a game. We've watched a few games together um, on the last couple of tours, and he's getting into it. Just because I can. I think he's got like questions about you know offside or this right. rule or that rule, and he feels like he can just ask me now. Because I know I can teach him all about it. So, are you the type of person who's like, yeah, I can explain it while you're watching it? Or are you like, I, yeah, I, I, later, later? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like I can explain to him while we're going because I can see he's enjoying it. And then if there's something that he doesn't know, I'd rather tell him so that he can enjoy it more. Enjoy you know? it. Yeah. So we we watched a few uh, a few games together on this on this tour, but it was um, not a great experience just because the team is so bad at the moment. So. Oh. I'm like, no, we used to be good, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's just enjoying it. I mean, I would, I mean, if especially going to see a game live, like I'm not the biggest sports fan to watch on TV, but, you know, mm. when you go live, it's just a completely different experience. And that's something yeah. I would always, I would love to see a football game. Yeah, yeah. Because it just feels like it's a whole nother experience. No, it is. It's, it's great. And um, me, and, me and my wife actually went to um, – the Manchester United women's team. Oh, nice. And um, it was the first time they'd played in the, you know, the, the men's proper stadium. And uh, right. there was, there was probably like 25,000 people there. So it wasn't sold out, but you know, it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And um, I actually had a better time at that game. They're actually good. <laughs> so what were, do you have any favorite moments from the tour? I mean, Mexico was up there just cause I love playing down there just cause the fans are so so intense but in a you know in a good way yeah um, and it was it was great playing four nights in the same place you know it's, it's like you don't have to sound check and you can just show <laughs> up and everything's the same and the crew loved that too so that was cool yeah and then um but i don't know i think my favorite show was san antonio 
just because it was this brand new venue. I think we were the first band to play there. Yeah, and correct. it was just a really nice day in a really nice venue, you know, really nice backstage, really nice catering. It was just it was <laughs> one of those um, just because everything was totally brand new. And uh, yeah. I, I think there was no curfew as well. So we could just like, you know, blast through many songs as we want, which was nice. Oh. We've been hitting the curfew a few times on the, on the outdoor venues. Yeah. Which is sometimes is a bummer. It's funny because people get stressed like, oh, why didn't you do an encore in, you know, Oklahoma oh, yeah. or something? It's like, well, we wanted to. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was a big thing with the fans where like yeah. they were kind of upset about not being able to get what they considered an encore. Mm. But Jeff was or you you two were explaining uh, in one of the Insta lives being like, well, we stopped going off stage exactly because it took yeah. up time and that's time that we could be playing songs so then when you're playing like xyu or uh, if there is a god that's mm. practically the uh the encore <laughs> well um, that's it i mean if really it, you can just cut out that bit where everybody walks off stage even though everybody knows we're gonna walk we back know on yeah stage. it gives you <laughs> another three or four minutes which is like you know sometimes a full song so yeah we, we sort of made the decision like well we'll just power through and sometimes these venues, like they'll say, "Oh, it's a hard curfew," which means you'll get Santa fined. Barbara was that way, yeah. yeah. Like you will literally get fined, or they'll turn the turn the PA off. And sometimes it's like it's a soft curfew, which means like, well, we'd like you to finish at eleven, but if you go ten minutes over, it's not going to be a massive deal. Yeah. So it was it was kind of like judging, you know, which whether it was hard or soft, it was the uh, curfew issue. But yeah. people, people were getting stressed. Like you know, we we made a decision. Like, oh, we're not going to play it on Corey or Globe. It's like <laughs> there's never been one time where, since I've been in the band, where we've gone off stage and and someone's not wanted to go back on. You know what I mean? It's always right. just in a case of we just can't. So, but people don't people don't realize sometimes what are the actual reasons for things like that. I mean, I I, I probably wouldn't if I was it wasn't in the band. I'd yeah. Like, oh, they didn't do an encore. That's lame. But I'm like, well. Right. I understand. <laughs> well, we, yeah, because when we were at Santa Barbara or when I was at Santa Barbara and it ended right at 10 sharp, um, we were all like, whoa, what happened? You know, where, where's the mm. encore? And then the guy who worked at the venue was like, he, when we were going out, he's like, oh, yeah, they have to, you know, cut it off at a certain time. So we were like, okay, that makes sense that we understand that. Then that's yeah. that's different it sucks but at the same time it's like we're just glad that we get to see mm -hmm. the pumpkins after you know all this time with the pandemic and everything and it's just so cathartic yeah to kind yeah. of just like be able to hear those songs and see all in top form in my opinion i mean like it really the band sounds amazing and there's some kind of energy or groove or something that's just working like firing in all cylinders that just feels like and I love the 2018 tour. Don't get me wrong. I love those LA shows that I saw, but something about Pat and I were talking about this and there's just something about the energy of the band and the, the placement of the band right now and the ether that just feels like there's something going on. There's just something that's right in the pocket right now. Yeah. It feels like that for us too. I think, I think sometimes, although that, you know, what you got to remember about 2018, although the tour was massive and, you know, all these huge arenas and stuff. That was the first time the five of us had played together. Yeah. And um, so obviously like I'd done a tour before that with Jeff, Billy, and Jimmy, but it was our first time 
all playing the first time that those five people have stood on a stage together. So it does take time to, you know, get everything dialed in. And we, yeah. we I mean, I know we sounded great in 2018, but obviously the more you play, the better you're going to sound. So the more shows we do, you know, the better it's going to be. And yeah, that's what I like about, you know, the fact that we've just done this tour, it's sort of, you know, the next one will be smoking. Yeah. Just because this is like, it, it kind of felt like, you know, because the next tour was announced in the middle of this tour. Right. So to me, this tour kind of felt like the taster for later. For what's up to man. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was, it's, I think it's worked out pretty good. And obviously the more, the more we play, the, the, the better it'll get. So I'm all yeah. up for <laughs> as many shows as possible, please. After the last two years. Right. And then like you, last time we talked, you talked about uh, your love for Jane's addiction. So this working out was yeah, yeah. really cool. That must be really cool for you to, yeah. It to, was I amazing. mean, I know you know those guys, but like it's yeah. now you get to tour with them. It must feel really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd heard rumors about like who the other, the other band was going to be, but then um, yeah. I was, and then I, I thought it was going to be some, something else. And then when, when I saw the poster, I was like, oh shit, no way. Jane's addiction. That's crazy. <laughs> You know, one of my favorite bands of all time, and Eric Avery is my favorite bass player of all time. Right. Although, although he's not, although he's not been in the band for a while, you know, at least Chris Change an amazing bass player too. Just to get yeah. to hear those bass lines every night is going to be incredible. As you know, from a fan point of view. Um, Are you gonna go up to Perry and just be like, uh, "Excuse me, Perry, but um, do you mind if I uh, play on?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was actually cool because I did get to play bass on a Jane's Addiction song with right. Perry and Stephen Perkins on the Howard Stern show. So just from a fanboy point of view, I was sort of freaking out about getting to play Jane's stuff, which was really fun. I bet. Mm. <laughs> so, so you never uh, know if they ever need if they if they need a, a last minute fill in i know a lot of those songs anyway so yeah <laughs> just, you can just jump right just, in exactly there. yeah just give me a shout <laughs> so uh, kind of going uh, into kind of a little bit back to what you were talking about the dynamic of the band uh one of the questions we got was uh what's the best thing about playing alongside jimmy it's hard to explain i mean just just what just getting to watch him play as a fan yeah. of the band is mad really just to, and and just the way he plays and he never breaks it's like he doesn't even break a sweat you know he's playing <laughs> all this crazy crazy fills and mad drums and he just doesn't break a sweat and um yeah it's cra- i mean i'm very lucky to to you know get to stand three or four feet away from that drum kit every night <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not lost on me that that is kind of amazing um so i was i was thinking about it the other day because it was his birthday so i put up a post on the uh, instagram and you know this this cool picture of me and him and i was like wow man, that's just crazy that i'm even able to to do that you know it's mad um but yeah it's, i mean just the grace and the power together of his playing is just mad and it's different every night like, i mean i i have so much drums in my monitors and uh, so i notice every little thing that's different from night to night and there's not Amazing. one night that's been the same <laughs> it's just like throwing and you can tell like as we get further and further into a tour some of the some of the fills will get crazier and crazier and you can tell he's like then he'll like look at me like do you see that one and i'm like yep <laughs> <laughs> i got it that's amazing yeah i mean he was i mean he is just everybody when we we're being in the crowd just 
especially at the festival show, like we, you know, there are people there who are seeing, you know, they're just there to kind of see for the festival experience. And yeah, they might be there to see the pumpkins, but you get a lot of people who aren't really pumpkins fans or, mm-hmm. or they kind of fell off or whatever. And it was amazing seeing just jaws on the floor with, uh, especially after rock on mm-hmm. or, uh, during Jimmy's solo, you know, that part, like there, it was so cool to look around and just see these kind of people who are like on their phones and just kind of like looking up being like, Holy shit. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, you know it's like virtuoso level playing. Yeah. I mean, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Speaking of uh beach life, you, did you get to catch Stone Temple pilots? I did. Yeah. I was on the side of the stage for that. I was, I was very excited. I mean, I, yeah, me too. Robert, I didn't. Robert yeah. DeLeo is one of my favorite bass players as well. Oh, um, dude, he's so good. Just the yeah. way he moves around the stage, it's just like, it's incredible. So yeah, one, of my, one of my friends was was like, oh, he's like a snake charmer, the way he moves yeah. the bass. I'm like, you know what? That's, that is pretty pretty accurate. Yeah. The way he holds the bass like nearly upright as well, yeah. like to the, kind of to the side of him while he moves around. It's mental. Um, so I was really excited to see that because I, I missed them the last time they were in the UK. Oh, so, yeah. um, I mean, as soon as we get these festival dates, I'm always looking like, oh, I was just playing. And then you, you'll sort of look at the lineup and a lot of the time, somebody you'll want to see won't be on your day. So it's like, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so I was quite happy this time that we got to play with uh, Stone Temple Pilots and we got to meet them all as well. Cause we, we played with them in uh, Memphis too, at the first show. Oh, okay. The, the Beale street. Yeah. Yeah. But that show was kind of all over the place cause it nearly got canceled. Yeah. How did weather. that feel? Yeah. It was weird. Cause. I mean, they've, they've been saying all day, like, oh, there's a storm coming, but it's going to be okay. It's sort of just going to pass over. And then when it didn't, everyone just started freaking out. And they, yeah. I think they had to evacuate the site like three or four times. And obviously, every time you do that and then let people back in, you know, it takes 30, 45 minutes for people to get back in. Yeah. So at one point, we were sort of thinking, we're not going to play it. And we were almost in the car, like heading out of there. And the guy was like, oh, oh my it's going to be it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So it literally, if that guy would have been two minutes late, we'd, we'd have been gone because we, we, we'd been told it was over. Holy and shit. So it was like, it was very much like play it by ear because Stone Temple pilots played and the crowd was huge and everyone was in. And then just as they finished, so they got to play their full set. And just as they finished, that was when all the chaos started. Yeah. Um, although we only got to play like 10 songs, at least we yeah. did get to play and everyone that had stuck around, you could tell they were buzzing just that, they were actually getting to see the show but a lot of people did leave just because you know yeah i think when you when you get to the fourth evacuation you got to think like this ain't gonna happen yeah I, I probably would have been like all right it's done we had a similar thing at welcome to rockville at daytona oh, right. we were sort of monitoring that from afar wherever we were like on our way there but luckily our day was sort of cool weather wise so we didn't we didn't suffer at that one but we did in memphis which is a shame so what goes into like figuring out what songs you're gonna cut or like keep when that situation happens? Is there like kind of a backup plan for things like that, or you just kind of have to be like Billy just makes those calls? Yeah, it's just last minute. I mean, you literally he was just looking at the set we were gonna play, mm-hmm. and then you start thinking, well, okay, so we've got to cut like eight to ten songs out of it, and you've got to, but then you've also got to think like the people that are there are totally soaked and and you know a bit bummed out so it's like yeah. let's keep all the big ones you know just go out and just give them give, just give them this mental like 10 10 song long hits set <laughs> just yeah. to say sort of thank you for for staying 
So you're not going to do jazz odyssey or anything. No, no, no. <laughs> so, but it was, it was literally just last minute because we didn't know even, even 10 minutes before that we went on, we didn't know how long we do. He was literally just making calls on stage. Like, Oh, skip that one. Go to that one. Oh, we will do this one. You know, it was oh, wow. Like, on yeah. stage. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Okay. Just cause we didn't know how, you know, we, any song could have been the last one if the lightning started up again. So, right. I think it's I think it's when when lightning gets within an eight mile radius of the festival, that's when shit starts to hit the fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to like you have to play it safe with those things. It's not exactly one of those things you're like, ah, fuck it. You have to actually mm-hmm. really exactly. take that into account. Um, one of our listeners, Steve, asks, what is one of the hardest Smashing Pumpkins bass lines you had to learn to play? So for this for this tour, um, we played uh, Hello Kitty Cat, and I was struggling with that for <laughs> for a little bit. Just uh-huh. um, I, obviously, like I knew the song, but I kind of slept on it for a few years and forgot about it. So then, when it appeared on the list, I was like, "All oh, right, okay, cool. That's the, that's going to be fun." And then when I started playing it, I was like, "Okay, this is difficult." Just <laughs> not not so much like the the notes. Once you can play along with the record. And then you start to think like, okay, but now I've got to play it with Jimmy. No, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's going to be, it's going, you know, it could be faster, faster yeah. or, or it could be, it, you know, you got to really try and keep it on the rails if he's do like, he, cause he'll, he won't play the drums like they're on the record. It'll just be like, yeah, it'll be different every night. It'll be amazing. And then, so you start to think, okay, well I'll get it. I'll get up to playing with the record and then we'll see what it's like at rehearsals. But yeah, it was difficult um just to sort of train my right hand to play that song because you know you can start cramping up after like four yeah. and a half minutes of playing like that so it takes some warming up for that one but that that was probably the hardest one um and there was there's a couple of us I, I won't give away some of the other songs that i was learning in case they appear at the end of the year but there's a couple of others that i was like oh god these are going to require some <laughs> some more <laughs> more practicing than usual you know yeah well, I look forward to, I mean, hopefully we can see a, a Geek USA uh, mm-hmm. sometime in the future. I know that was one that you said last time that you would like to, to mm-hmm. tackle. So this one, uh, feel free to answer however you feel fit. Have you heard the new album? No. Okay. <laughs> then that, that takes care of a lot of other questions. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because they were wondering, like everybody's wondering what it sounds like, or if you've mm-hmm. heard it or not. Yeah, I've heard um, a lot. I've heard a lot about it, but I uh, haven't. I haven't heard it now. So I'm right. I'm just as excited as everybody else. <laughs> You're gonna hear it along with us. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Uh, David K asked, "Did you meet Billy on the New Order tour he did back circa 2001, and what's that like playing with him?" Um. Yeah, I did. I did meet him back then um, at the Liverpool Olympia in summer 2001, but I was only 12. So I didn't really understand who he was or what was going on. It's just like a bit too young. It was before I discovered all those kind of bands. Right. And then um, it was probably a couple of years later, sort of 14, 15, where I discovered the pumpkins. And you're like, oh, it's that bloke, it's that bloke who was playing with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did actually meet him when I was a kid, but then so I like, didn't meet him again until uh the pumpkins started touring zeitgeist and me and dad went to a, the manchester arena show i think in like early 2008 or something like that yeah and then uh, so that was the next time 
I met him. And then I think when, when my dad's band started touring in 2010, every time we played Chicago, he would come down. So it just sort of felt like a naturally developing kind of friendship that turned into, you know, like getting asked to do that first tour. So it was, it's been, it's been cool. And, you know, all those guys at this point, you know, I've been playing in the band now for nearly seven years. Yeah. So everyone just feels like family at this point. It's a good vibe. Yeah. Yeah. They also, David also asked, um, he would love to know if he can, if you can convince your dad to play turn my way (laughs) during the next tour. That would be cool for, cause we're doing, uh, we are doing two nights at the Metro in Chicago. So maybe we could see if, see if billy was up for it and do it i hadn't thought of that yeah that would be that would be pretty cool i'm not sure if that song maybe they did play it live on that tour i don't know but Mm. it's certainly not been played for over 20 years so it would be pretty cool actually yeah i might i might put that in the notes on my phone for when when there you go david yeah that's (laughs) that is a good idea because i think at some point um once you know my dad's tour this year is basically delayed from two years ago because the right. idea was it's 40 years of unknown pleasures and today actually it's 43 years <laughs> so that tells you how we're supposed wow. to be um how long we've supposed we've been sitting on these dates for <laughs> yeah because <laughs> of covid um but i think after this year his plan is to play that album next because it's his whole thing is going through the back catalog chronologically yeah. and he the last tour that he did before going back to unknown pleasures for what would have been the anniversary the next one would have been uh, get ready which has got that song on it so yeah i think he's already we've 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 played crystal which was like the big lead single from that album so we've already right. played something from get ready but um, at some point he'll want to play the album so i guess if we get another american tour out of it the, the logical thing is to ask billy since he's on the record yeah that would be really fun that would be a great mm. show to see Mm-hmm. um what's your favorite smashing pumpkins deep cut do you, do you classify deep cut as like a album track or do you, do you want like b-sides i don't know i mean they didn't specify but i was <laughs> I, I if deep cut to me means like it could be an album track that's mm-hmm. not a single you know uh let me think so probably if we're going deep cut from an album probably here is no why yeah i love that song i'm hoping maybe it might appear on a set list but we'll, we will see and oh, um, that'd be amazing. maybe in terms of b-sides i'd probably go for were yeah that's a good one uh we're we're we're, st- we're still campaigning uh for uh the boy to make it into well <laughs> the set this fall it's not only you that's campaigning me and jeff are campaigning to james i love it too so <laughs> trust me we're working on him to to bring that one out because <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure if that has been played do you know if that's been played i don't because James didn't seem to know. So Yeah, it I I can't recall. I'm not as um uh I'm we're not like uh pumpkin scholars like some of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm but, sure somebody will be able to tell it. Oh yeah, absolutely like somebody like Geo or somebody could definitely do that for sure. Um mm-hmm. But you never know. i we're we're hopeful because we me and Jeff really want to play it. So good. We will I'm gonna... uh, we'll keep trying to convince him. <laughs> keep fighting the good fight. The other question do you ever play five string basses you know what it kind of freaked me out so i, I sent it to stick away from five strings okay so yeah just, no five str- it freaked you no, out yeah it's just the way the way you get so used to feeling 
what a four string bass feels like right and it was it was weird playing a six string bass for the first time in my dad's band oh, and yeah. then um the, the but that's kind of like it was because i'd played a bit of guitar before so it's just the same two extra strings on the high end but having that extra string on the low end just freaked me out just i wasn't <laughs> used to the i wasn't used to the e string not being the lowest string so i just yeah. really i didn't like it so i don't think i would ever <laughs> and plus i don't i mean the bands i play in i don't think would ever need a five string yeah. bass i would only need that if i was playing for like some crazy metal band so you're yeah you're not going to be playing any corn covers or anything exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what would a jack Bates signature bass look like and play like well it'd definitely be a yamaha that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah since i've that that's those are the guitars i love to play i don't know i just i mean honestly i think my dad's one is so good that i would never need one because i'm just going to play that i think i'm going to try and play that on on um the next tour that that pumpkins do i'm going to try and bring my bring my signature peter hook bass which would be cool to play um because i've been playing it at my dad's shows that i did last year just just when music sort of came back after COVID was the first time yeah. I could play those guitars and they are amazing. Um, so I, I think I would just stick with that. Nice. So uh, here on the Smashing Pumpcast, we're about to get into Zeitgeist Summer. Do you have any, I don't know, thoughts about Zeitgeist or any favorite songs from there or any songs you'd love to play from th- that era? Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked that album. And um, that was sort of, I always see that as kind of my Pumpkins album, just because that was the first album, first new thing that came out since I'd found the band. Do you know what I mean? So it was yeah. like, um, obviously I was into all the old stuff. And then that was the first new album of my sort of fandom, you know? And um, I saw that tour several times. I, I saw it at the Shepherd's Bush Empire in London, which is one of the first shows I think back. And I saw him headline Leeds Festival too, and then at Manchester Arena. So I saw I saw that tour three or four times, um, and hopefully, yeah, I, I'd love to play some of those songs. I mean, we've played United States a few times, which is really yeah. fun, and I think we we played that as recently as last year, didn't we? With uh, but Riot Fest and that other festival that we did, yeah. So that was cool, but I'd love to play stuff like Tarantula, Doomsday Clock, and stuff like that. Oh hell yeah. I mean, I mean, it was funny because this this guy that I know um, was at the Santa Barbara show and he met Jimmy for the first time. He's like, I've got to tell you, your drumming on Zeitgeist is just incredible. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. It is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny. Like, you've, I kind of forget about some of those songs. And um, I know that one day one of them will appear on a set list and it'll be like, oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah. I mean, some, some of those songs are, are incredible. Like, like I said, Tarantula, Doomsday Clock, I'd like to play. I'd like to play Stars. I'd like to play Bleeding the Orchid, too. Yeah, we're revisiting the album. There's so much that we're just like, because at the time when it came out, where we were in our lives and just where we were in the fandom, we just didn't give it the proper time. And so, like, now that we've been, you know, really invested and, in, like, really sitting down with the albums and going through chronologically and really going through like the album as a whole the complete album the 16 track album yeah the full thing yeah oh man we are just blown away and we can't wait to talk about it uh but like yeah jimmy's drumming on is just some of the best ever i mean some some of some of the we were playing uh, super christ on the 2019 tour 
that's from yeah. the same sort of period, isn't it? And that was really fun to play. Um, I just like the whole vibe of that of that time of the band. You know, the guitars all tuned to like C sharp or something. It's just oh, heavy, yeah. and, and it was it was cool. I mean, hopefully, uh, some of those songs will make a comeback one day. I mean, I'll be the cheerleader for that if you want. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I think it took time, mm-hmm. as usual, with the Pumpkins, but fans finally came around and really loved that album, especially mm-hmm. with some of those like uh, live footage stuff, like the AOL sessions that come out, and they're like, "Holy shit, wait!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. It was funny because uh, somebody posted that AOL session on Instagram, and um, when we were on the bus, and Jeff was watching it, like, "Man, we were smoking back then." yeah it's like yeah i saw that i saw that (laughs) three or four times i was i was literally stood on the barrier at leeds festival 2007 uh to watch nine inch nails and the pumpkins and Uh, when i was like 18 great double bill yeah me me and my two friends all three of us staying in a one-man tent at leeds festival (laughs) (laughs) camping which was an interesting experience but yeah so yeah i i saw Plenty of shows on that tour. I can vouch for them, for the, for how good how good that period was. So hopefully yeah. we'll we'll play some of those tunes again. And to to me, like as a fan, just like whenever uh, it's interesting when we play something from Zeitgeist and we've played stuff from Monuments, it's interesting to see what James does on it. He just sort of brings that extra kind of secret sauce to, to yeah, because you know it's it's interesting because a lot of the songs you know he he's not that familiar with from that time. Yeah. So when one well, it looks of them, like he's having fun, like with FOL yeah, exactly. and stuff like I mean, that. Yeah. Yeah. Exa- yeah. FOL and, and like when we did Glow as well. Um, yeah. On a couple of years ago. So it's interesting to see like how he approaches those songs too, just from from a fan point of view. Just a, yeah. It's, it's just a cool thing. That's awesome. Well, uh, Jack, uh, anything you'd like to plug or anything you'd like to uh, you know promote? No. I mean, well, I mean, I, I will. Since I'm here, I will appeal to uh all the pumpkins fans to come check out my dad's tour which is the next thing i'm doing if you absolutely if, if anyone is out there and is even a a casual fan of joy division and new order then this is the this is the show for you guys so um you know we, it's going to be interesting we play for like three hours um <laughs> he's playing both joy division records in full plus a load of singles and hits and full on um sonic assault of the of the 80s <laughs> nice <laughs> so that's the next thing that's coming up for me so if there's cool if there's anybody out there that's coming give me a shout when you're at the shows and if you guys want to come just let me know oh absolutely we'll be there and then after that we'll be full full steam ahead for the for the end of the year yeah awesome well we can't wait uh thank you so much and congratulations again oh thanks man yeah all yeah. good so far <laughs> <laughs> take care All right, man. I'll speak to you soon.